Ramosha Holzer was born in Karitz in 1912. His family was very poor. He learned in the local cheder, and as he grew up, he started teaching and became a Rebbe in that cheder. He was teaching little children how to read Aleph Beis, and the Russians came in and they said, you're doing something subversive, you're not allowed to be teaching anything religious, and they took every mechanic in the school, right there and then. They went on trucks, and the next thing they knew, they were in Siberia. He never saw his brother, his sister, or his parents after that. He slept in a carved out tree trunk, but he was there for seven years, starving and slave labor. He made a pact with Hashem that if he survived, he wouldn't talk about all the pain and suffering. He would only talk about the Nisim Veneflois. Years later, he would keep his promise and would always repeat the following story. There were men in the gulag that were six foot two, six foot three, and he was a small man, barely five feet. He saw them fall like flies. He said he couldn't handle that. He just couldn't bear to see that. And he saw what food they were giving everybody, and everybody got the same amount. So he said to one of the taller men, he said, I'm a small man. I don't need as much as you do. You work much harder than I do. I'm going to give you part of my ration. He would do it with one person one day and another person another day, and he would just go around and do this. And the people began to see what a what a human being he was, that they began to just loved him. And I'm sure he was starving too. He was all of 67 pounds when he came out. One morning, the Russians woke everyone up earlier than usual, and they caught Ramosha putting on his tefillin that he managed to hide and take with him to Siberia. They tore the tefillin off of him, ripped them open, and found pieces of parchment in a foreign language. They immediately accused him of being a spy. The next morning, they woke everybody up. They put my father in the center, and the entire camp surrounded my father. And there were two people who were going to shoot. Their guns were cocked and ready to go. And they said to my father, why do you have a smirk on your face? Why do you, you think this is funny? We're going to kill you. So he says, I'm not afraid of you. So the commandant said, well, who are you afraid of if you're not afraid of me? So he went like this. They lifted the guns, and the entire group of people that were outside watching this started to scream, you can't kill him, no, no, no. Reb Moshe was so beloved and respected amongst the prisoners, they recognized how special he was, and they didn't want him to die. They loved my father for the generosity and the kindness that he showed them over those freezing cold months that he was there. The two guards in charge got scared that shooting Reb Moshe might lead to an uprising, so they set Reb Moshe free. When he was finally liberated after the war, he met his wife Frida in the DP camps and they got married and had three girls. A few years later, Reb Moshe and his family immigrated to America where they settled in Cambridge, Massachusetts, right near Harvard and MIT. For more than 40 years, Reb Moshe worked as the shamus of the Tremont Street Shul. He was the Balkora, the Baltfila, the Baltokeya, and he even gave shiurim. The people that came in and out of our shul were Makarev with him, they wrote letters to him years after they left the shul, telling them about children that they have now because they became religious and now they have Jewish families. Despite not being a man of much financial means, he still found a way to teach his children about the importance of giving tzedakah every single day. 
even if it was just a small amount. One day, uh, a young man came to the house, a salesman, and he was selling Columbia Mutual Life Insurance. And he said, just for a quarter a day, you can save up enough money and have life insurance in case something happens to you or your spouse. Your children will benefit by all this money that will come back. Before the salesman left, he took out a Columbus Mutual Life Insurance coin bank and gave it to Reb Moshe as a gift for listening to him. It's this kind of box that you'd put a coin in and you'd turn the lever and it would count how much money you put in. We as kids thought it was the cutest thing and he decided that this was going to be his tzedakah box. So every day he would sit us down at the table and say, who wants to put the quarter in today? We loved it. This was the highlight of the day. You would put the quarter in and you get to push the lever and you would see the numbers change as the quarters would go in. It was a treat to come home from school. Who's doing the tzedakah box today? When the coin bank would fill up, he would take a handkerchief, spread it over the table, open the coin bank with a special key, spill out all the coins into the handkerchief, tie it up, put it in his pocket, and take it to the bank where he had a special charity account from which he would send tzedakah. Eventually, the little piece that you pushed around so that the coin would uh, register into that counter, it broke. So he took a screwdriver and he had to like, like you're, like you're chopping at ice, he had to kind of chop that thing to get into place and it would register whatever coin would come up. And we used to love watching that do it. Even after his children got married, Reb Moshe continued putting tzedakah into that coin bank every single day, rain or shine, healthy or sick, until the last day of his life. Even though my Zaidi did not have a lot of money, every day, every single day, no matter what, they put money into the tzedakah box. My father didn't have to teach you anything with words. Just had to watch him, just had to follow him, just had to see how he treated people, what he did with his money and how he spent it. When he passed away at 92, he was so beloved and admired by everyone who knew him. He was even memorialized in a famous mural where they featured him on a bus with other leaders and influential figures of Cambridge. And one of the most important lessons that Ramesha taught his children of never missing a day of giving tzedakah carried over to the next generation. When his oldest daughter, Paulette, got married and had children of her own, she taught them about the importance of giving tzedakah every day. Her son, Jonathan, remembers how his mother would make sure to always send them to school with a penny or a nickel to put into the tzedakah box at school. I remember as a child, my mother giving me a penny or nickel every day to put into the tzedakah box, and I'm sure it obviously came from my Zaidi. By the time Jonathan grew up, the concept and the value of giving tzedakah every day was embedded in his DNA. Fast forward 30 years. I just listened to a class on how even small mitzvahs matter. And literally, minutes after I finished the class, I went in to put a dollar in the tzedakah box like we always do. I had this epiphany moment that no matter how much tzedakah I give, I still get a mitzvah for this one dollar. So I was like, how can I guarantee myself the mitzvah of tzedakah every single day, no matter what? That's the idea that popped in my head. That's when dailygiving.org was born. I ran home, I Googled it, I was looking, is any organization doing this? I could not find anyone trying to automate daily giving. So I called up my website guy, Shaul, and I said, Shaul, what do you think of this idea? He loved it right away. I said, Shaul, can you build me a website? He said, absolutely. In less than five years, there are over 15,000 Yidden from 39 different countries signed up on dailygiving.org, myself included, and they distribute more than $5 million a year to over 75 different organizations in Am Yisrael. And it's a diversified portfolio of tzedakahs. So for $1 a day, 
you get to help organizations that help with those with poverty and you get to help organizations that are helping with special needs and substance abuse and mental health and cancer and Torah and Kiruv and it's just a dollar but when we come together it is such a massive impact when they gave out their 10 millionth dollar in tzedakah Jonathan received a very special gift from his aunt I opened it up and it was my Zadie's tzedakah box the tiny seeds of tzedakah that Ramosha Holzer deposited every day in his coin bank has now grown into a multi-million dollar empire of chesed, fueling dozens and dozens of organizations that are dedicated to bringing Yeshuas and Refuas to Yidden all over the world. One day, this gentleman signs up for a dollar a day. 30 seconds later, he signs up again with a different email address. And then a third time, and then a fourth time, and a fifth time, in a matter of minutes. And so I assume he's probably signing up his children. He's a smart man. So I called him up and I, and I said, thank you so much for joining Daily Giving. I said, were you signing up your children? He said, yeah. I said, that's incredible. He said, yeah, they're one, two, and four. And I said, what? He said, yeah, you know, in a six, seven, eight, ten 10 years, when I give them their password, I already got them their Gmail addresses. But now when they get their password in a couple of years, they're going to open their email and they're going to have one email repeated hundreds or thousands of times. Thank you for your donation. And they're going to see that they did mitzvahs every single day since they were children. 